Hello, climate change. Waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. And I am Amy Callisher, and today I am having a conversation with Jim McPherson. Hi, Jim McPherson. Also known as your husband. I, I was going to mention that. Hello. <laughs> it's been a long time since you and I have sat down and done one of these. I'm not even sure when the last one was. Well, we did one right after the election. I don't know if yeah. we did another one no. since then. I've had a stream of people. Right. I've been pretty regular getting right. one out about once a week. Right. Then I had my car accident. Oh, that's right. That took me I haven't talked about it in the podcast, but I did mention that there was a lot going on in my family. But yeah, Jim was in a car accident, which was serious, but you're recovering pretty well. Yeah. It really sort of brought home mortality. You're nodding. Yes, it does. Having an accident and being rushed away in an ambulance and then taken to another emergency room and having surgery and all that kind of stuff, it does have a way of making everything come into a little different view. (laughs) Well, say more about that, especially in light of the topic of this podcast. I don't know, just... I think the things that are the priorities get shifted around and your day in and day out grind can become not quite as important. Mm. It was amazing how quickly I just sort of put work stuff aside, like, okay, I'm not going to work for a while. That's done. (laughs) Right. Yeah, me too. I mean, taking care of you, basically. All the the projects that I had lined up just were like, nope, I'm just going to... uh, do all the chores and make sure that you don't need something. Yeah. So, this is good. We're kind of winding down out of the busyness of our day. I was kind of looking forward to talking to you because there's been so many podcasts that I've done without you since the last time we talked. Mm -hmm. And at this point, there's been so many that it's hard for me even to think of one thing I wanted to say to you about it all. But, um, One thing that has come up in conversation when I talk to people who are trying to figure out how to be activist, I don't even want to use the word activist because I don't think they would use the word, but they're trying to become active, is that they're not even really sure, like they're so overwhelmed by the news and they feel overwhelmed by trying to follow it and they feel like they have to be able to debate or even just to prioritize what their actions should be. So one thought I had when, when this came up just the other day, I was on a hike with some friends. What I made a mental note was that we should talk about what's going on and what are the, what are the things that are actually important in, in between all of the, it's not fluff, the, all the intrigue and like, I don't know, all the drama around Trump. We get filled up before we actually... No, what what actually should we be concerned about and and reacting to? Oh, that would be a good thing to ask you, since you are good at paying attention to the news and thinking about the big picture. That's my impression of you, anyway. Mm. It's what we're facing is very very big, and in some ways it feels overwhelming, but it's also tied to a lot of small individual actions that people can take. Mm. Like you, you talked about, you know, people getting more politically active, and 
it can take all different forms. Like, no, I mean, like, what what pieces of news? I mean, you may... Have, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, it's... Yeah, I think it's good to talk about the news part of it. Um, I mean, if people ever had any question about how important it was that they voted, you know, people feel like... Sometimes they feel like my vote doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in some states, like here in Connecticut... It's a heavily democratic state, and so we didn't get a lot of attention during the election because people sort of knew that, you know, that people would vote for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, which they did. Um, But, you know, like this election was so close, and the consequences were so big that I hope... I hope people get that notion that their vote doesn't count sort of blown out of the water. Mm. Like it really, really, really does matter when if you show up to vote for every election, every election that have, that happens in your town. Mm. Because climate change, our ability to deal with it is so dependent on the people who we elect to public offices that can make decisions about big policy that moves things in a, you know, in a constructive direction. I mean, right now, like the fossil fuel industries have an absolute stranglehold on our, our country and in our, in our, the policy that would, that, would, that would impact any climate change mm-hmm. legislation. I mean, it's just, we've just like gone down a direction that is the exact opposite one that we should be going down, mm-hmm. you know? The Dakota Access Pipeline is going through. The protesters are all cleared out. That's happening. You know, we're going to get more fuel that we don't need, the kind of fuel that we don't need, pump, pumping down these lines. You know, they're, and they're just that's just one of many that are going to be green-lighted during this administration. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to feel hopeful sometimes about it because it feels real big right now. But the only thing, the only, well, let me say this. So, um, Brendan, you know, my son, your stepson, and I went to the town hall here in Connecticut that was given by our U.S. Senator, Chris Murphy, who is a very progressive politically. You know, he's, he's a longtime Democrat and this town hall was really more of like a, a pep rally because <laughs> everybody, like they gave him a standing ovation when he came in and, and everybody was, you know, complimenting him and that sort of thing. But one of the things he said that really struck with, struck me was the, all the feelings that you're having, all the anger, the disappointment, the frustration, the best way to deal with them is to take action, is to get involved. Like that, that will help those feelings on just like on a feeling level, mm-hmm. that will help those feelings not feel so overwhelming and they will actually make a difference, you know, to, 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 to take those actions. Whether it's, you know, show up to a town hall meeting, whether it's attend your, your local town committee meeting, whatever it is, just do something, get involved and it'll make a difference. So I, I think that was a really good way of, for him to frame it. Because mm. all these people are showing up and people are angry. They don't know what to do. 
you know, they're, they're really saying some very impassioned things and wanting answers from him. And he did have some things to say, but he also was honest in saying, you know, the Republicans and Trump are in charge right now. And there's not, there are a few levers that, you know, the members of Congress have, but for the most part, they're, they're kind of stuck right now, at least for the next two years. Okay. So, so that was all over the map. <laughs> what, everything you said? Yeah. Well, I think it was good. I think it's good to hear you speak, frankly, about how you're feeling. So to admit that it's hard to be hopeful, I think is a step in the right direction. I guess what I'm saying is that I think we do feel some pressure to have hope, to be inspiring. Mm -hmm. But I think when you struggle alone with where you don't feel that yourself, you don't really get very far. Right, right. So... Well, I think that was one of the very positive things that came out of like going to that town hall mm-hmm. was feeling like there are a lot of people who are feeling the same way. Yeah. I'm not alone. We're not alone. There's a lot of people doing a lot of different things and right. it doesn't seem quite so overwhelming to just get plugged into something. Mm-hmm. When you when you see so many people yeah. doing act, you know, taking action. Mm-hmm. Just starting like starting up political groups on their own. Mm-hmm. Like people would stand up and say, I'm from the so-and-so action network in, in Winstead, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they just made this up yeah. recently. Right. <laughs> but they, you know, a group of people got together and they gave themselves a name and they're meeting regularly to figure out what to do in, right. their, in their area. Yeah. And that was awesome to see so much mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I can name two or three of those kind of groups that are happening all around in our network. <clears throat> So that is, I mean, that's good. Uh, my impression is maybe inaccurate. I mean, this is coming out of my own discouragement, but my impression is that a lot of those groups, basically what they're doing when they get together is struggling with the same questions that we're struggling with. Is, well, at least questions that I'm struggling with, which, which are what, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... I watch you and Brendan who follow the news and listen to all the podcasts about the news and, you know, and, and just are completely on, up on top of all these stories. But I don't, you know, and I, I look to you to fill me in on some things that I missed, but I don't look to you for direction because I don't actually see, I mean, you went to this town hall, which was great. And it's not like I should be listening. I'm not complaining about this. It's I think we're all, even though you're looking at all this news, there's still not, you don't feel like there's a clear path to, to action. And I think that um, some of the bigger groups, like the ACLU, is about to do um, a training for people. Um, that they're, they're basically saying people are feeling like they want someone to point them in a direction of something to do. And so we're giving you that. Mm-hmm. So here's this training we're doing. We're going to live stream it. I think it's Saturday, March 11th. Um, so if that's something you're... It's it's about... I, I, I could look it up. Why don't I take a second and do that? It's a resistance training. Um, and it says it'll, it'll launch something called People Power, our effort to engage grassroots volunteers across the country. They want to... It doesn't really say specifically... 
you know, what kind of, if there's a specific initiative that they're talking about. I'm guessing with ACLU, it's going to be around immigrant stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people near us who are organizing to learn about how to respond if there's a crisis around immigrants, which is great. Hmm. I find myself thinking that our problems run very deep, and this is why we feel paralyzed. Um, because in the fabric of our, our national ethics, or I don't think ethics is the right word, values, um, is this fundamental wrong thinking. And I was saying to you that there was something that I read recently that said that fascism is not an ideology of the right. It's an ideology of the center. And it grows out of nationalism. And that I found very helpful because I was saying, I said this to you already, but because Trump isn't really a right wing, he doesn't represent the values of the right wing. He represents the values of capitalism. And that's where this is coming from, is this sort of American dream kind of values. And people who are getting behind him are holding out hope for this American dream, that a businessman in the White House makes sense, because that's where our power lies as a people or something. I just found that very interesting, but I also think that there's something fundamentally like wrong ethically or morally. I, I, I struggle with the difference between ethics and morals, but maybe you can help me out with that, with the idea of a profit to begin with. That's a big, much bigger discussion. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, I think that's kind of why not have the bigger discussions. Mm-hmm. So, I okay. I mean, I'm not that interested in going in that direction. Tell me what. Well, I just it feels like. Um, Like, there are more pressing things going on. So that's what I want you to tell me. What, what is more pressing? Well, what's, what's more pressing is that our, our, our nation is acting as a drag on the world's ability to take action on climate change. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we really are setting a tone now that mm-hmm. says... We're going to look out for our interests over everything else. Mm-hmm. Basically, screw the rest of you, or good luck to the rest of you. We're going to we're going to make deals that benefit us, and everybody should just go do that. Forget about these international agreements, international alliances. You know, we're going to just have America first. That's it. And that is that is a return to like a pre World War Two. Even like World War One kind of mentality, that uh, the the world had really gone beyond. I mean, we had really moved beyond that. And I think you know the, the reality of World War Two helped set in 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 place the idea that we all do better if we act in concert, or that we have some basic kinds of norms that we try to adhere to. You know, that, like the United Nations and NATO and and all of these different economic systems that, while they're based on capitalism, they they did try 
to stabilize the world economy. So you so you could lift people out of poverty in a, in a more much more dramatic way. And while you know they're they're not they're not perfect by far. Um, if you look at the condition of people in general, um, they have benefited from a, a more of an integrated world model for, for both economics and social issues. So, you know, the place where we're going to now with this administration is just like throwing all that out the window, it feels like. Okay, so I get that. And I guess what I'm wondering is, if this is a more pressing issue for us, you and me sitting in our home to talk about, why? Like, why? Because what are we doing about it? You know? I know I'm challenging you in a weird way, but... I don't know. I just I feel like... Hmm. I guess I'm asking... Now I have questions that I'm asking myself about what I'm trying to do with these podcasts, which is fine to be asking my that, myself that. Mm-hmm. Because I think with some, sometimes I'm very clear, and, and I, I don't think I've, I've gotten all the way there in my ability to do these podcasts. Like, I, I think ideally I would like to just be a good listener. <laughs> um, but I'm also so struggling with all of this stuff too, that I'm wanting to be, to think it out you know, in my own trajectory. Um, so especially I think with you, I probably, you know, have have different expectations that maybe aren't fair because you're my closest relationship. Um, so, you know, so I guess what I find myself thinking is like, okay, so that feels like more pressing is the way you described it. But I guess I just don't understand why it's a more pressing conversation. But tell me more. Well, it just feels more urgent. Like, to, to make it very concrete, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like the, the, the highest priority for us in terms of taking, like, action, mm. and this is going to seem, like, really partisan, I guess, but it's to elect as many Democrats as possible in, in, the, in the congressional elections in two years. I mean, that, that's number one, as far as what I can see. I, I'm <laughs> nodding now. I'm the one nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish that it wasn't the case, that mm-hmm. it was all one party that, that seems capable and interested in taking this issue on. Mm-hmm. But that's the reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, Republicans in our, in our, in our country are... Either they're completely denying that climate change exists, or they're saying, yeah, it exists, but there's really no definitive proof that humans are causing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the Earth going through its cycle. Who knows? Who knew? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, the Earth is just getting warmer. We don't really know why, but it's getting warmer. You know, what a bunch of hogwash. Mm-hmm. We can't stand by and let people who are willing to, to spew that kind of stuff Hold office. Mm-hmm. We just really can't. So even if you don't go out and join a group, you got to show up at, at your elections, and you got to go vote. And if you care about the climate, you got to vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. I would just put it that simply, because mm-hmm. they're the most 
I mean, they they're not perfect on the issue. We know that mm-hmm. they you know have, they have ties to corporations and 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 they got baggage. But if you compare the two, it's just it's night it's night and day. I'm nodding again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I it, it takes it take. That's why I have a hard time focusing on on bigger questions like profit, mm-hmm. because it just feels like right now we just got to make sure Democrats win every election. <laughs> and so so give money, give money to those campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, if you live in those states or you live in those districts, go out and volunteer for that campaign. Go knock on doors. Go mm-hmm. make phone calls. Go put leaflets around. You know, that's that's what I just feel like is yeah. more pressing. I mean, I, I know somebody who who campaigned during the the national the presidential election. Um, I mean, just put her life on hold and went and traveled to the places where yeah. were critical districts and, and was a full-time, more than full-time campaigner. People, you can do that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hmm. So it doesn't change me from wanting to, to not, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something we can, that's that's a ball we can have in the air and still have conversations about the deeper things, the, the more, the, the more like, how do we evolve as humans because we have to, you know, like, I, I think like on one hand, we have to know what our next step is. We have to know what our biggest priority is and, and all be like more and more and more. I found myself thinking if everybody who felt up in arms about this all agreed on one action point or one thing to take on as we'll just do this and then we'll do the next thing instead of everybody. Cause at one point it felt like, well, everyone can work on whatever. And, and, you know, we can all be working on things that, that matter. And then, you know, we go to your talents or your interests or, you know, that, that seemed fine, but more and more, it seems to me like, wow, but wouldn't we really harness a lot of power if we all said we are all going to spend the next, you know, month. This is the number one priority. We all, as a, as, as like the millions of people who voted for whoever was not Trump decided, no, we're not okay with continuing to build pipelines. Like that needs to be over, put the money, you know, and if everybody said that that was the top priority, and that's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's a fantasy. But, you know, I, I, I had a guest a while back who, you know, I invited to talk with me because I'd had this great conversation with her at another point about local town sort of nonprofit efforts. And she told me about her experience. She used to live on Cape Cod. I don't remember what town, but there was, there was all this great like uh, network of people that got together and all wanted to do something, but they could not agree on what cause to all work on together. Everybody had their pet project. So it just kind of hit me like, wow, what if we could do that? That would be amazing. If we could all, and, and it takes a lot of trust because there's something that might feel near and dear to you, whereas like six others say, this is the thing, you know, that they'll ever come around to your near and dear thing. Mm-hmm. But that was just interesting to think about. Um, ultimately, though, the reason that I keep coming back to profit is that I, I, this is what it is. I think for me to be able to feel confident in what I know, I have to know, I have to go to the bottom of what my particular beliefs are. I have to be really clear about 
what I think actually is rational. Because otherwise, I'm following someone else's beliefs or I'm going to be swayed by, well, what about this, you know, particular situation that someone brings up. And somehow, being really clear has been made me feel stronger to be able to say, yeah, it, it never makes sense to profit off of someone else. In other words, to be able to say, because I own the resources then you have to work for me for a fraction of what you, the worth you're creating. That system is really exploitative, and it's at the basis of how capitalism works. Like I, I watch, I've been watching how people build businesses, and, and the way you start to get rich is as soon as you can... What's the word? There's this business word. Uh, scale. As soon as you can scale your project... As soon as you can take something out of your hourly efforts and, and make it someone else's hourly efforts who can be compensated for less. And that's part of it. I mean, there's other parts of it that are not bad, and it's about efficiency and that kind of thing. But that's the whole game, is that you, you start with some little, some little stake in the ground, some little piece of something that mm-hmm. you, can, you can then add value to and bring it into the world. And... If you're working for profit, then it becomes less about what actually is good for people and good for the planet and good for animals and good for the air and the water. It's all, it's all about how to maximize what goes in your pocket. I guess for me, talking about that, and I know you said you didn't even want to go in this direction, but I'm doing it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Um, I think for me, talking about that helps me to be clearer and clearer about stuff that I was told was naive as a child. You know, little we all are told it's naive. Well, why can't you know why why can't we all share? You know, those kind of things that 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 were like that were cute to the grown ups. You know, when we were so so young and innocent or whatever. No, those those weren't things that we just didn't get it. You know, they're real good questions. No. Anyway, what what do you want to say? So I don't have a problem with profit per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even have a proper problem with capitalism per se. Wow. So we differ deep down. Yeah. But I what I find is that oftentimes people use the term capitalism mm-hmm. to describe a like a very pernicious exploitative model. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only model that's possible or the only model that exists. My my own personal feeling is that to function properly and serve a society well, capitalism needs very clear, strong oversight mm-hmm. so that the needs of people are being met and not just the needs of the corporations or the business owners that they don't, they don't, you don't want to have, my own feeling is you don't want to have such an overbearing government system that it shuts down people, uh, that people don't want to go out and open businesses. But at the same time, you can't all, you can't have their interests driving everything. You have to, you have to have a system that allows businesses to operate and flourish, but at the same time, make sure that that people's individual needs are getting met. 
So I think I think it's possible to have a an economy that 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 takes the best of both of those. Best of, of capitalism, capitalism and, and like a, socialism a, and a government structure that mm-hmm. ensures some basic needs are getting met. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the model that I think is most doable and is probably the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work in a very large government organization. And I believe me, I don't want a government structure making all the decisions. Mm-hmm. That's not a good system. Yeah. But I also don't want to let for-profit corporations make all of the decisions as well. I want the, uh, our governmental system to have some clear expectations around their conduct and their, their, their responsibility to contribute back to society mm-hmm. in the form of, of taxes and providing certain benefits for their workers, providing decent wages for their workers. It's not, it's not a zero-sum game. It's mm-hmm. not either or. It can be both. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, my, that's my idealism about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, ours is different in terms of, right. of the level of, of what that idealism looks like. Mm-hmm. But mine is, is that you really can blend this together and it can work. Well, I... Agree and I, with, I can, and yeah. I think like some of the Scandinavian countries are good examples of that. They have very strong entrepreneurial systems and capitalism, and capitalistic economies, mm-hmm. but they also have a very strong government that that overlays that to make sure that people's needs are getting met. Right. Um, I like hearing your thinking. Um. You know, I don't think that I'm all the way there with mine. I haven't put my mind on this all my life. It's not been, it hasn't felt as accessible to me. Um, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, which which I'm not, I guess, which could be interesting, but I maybe that's not the direction to go in today. But, um, I mean, there are things that I've heard that I find hopeful about ways to sort of rein in capitalism. Like, for instance, having a cap to how much of a pay grade difference there can be by the, from the, between the highest paid and the lowest paid worker in any company. So, if you want to be the higher, if you're in the higher end and you want to raise your wages, you have to actually raise the janitor's wages too to keep it within a certain percentage. Like those kind of things, I hear those things and I go, "Wow, that's such a." That's that's the way it should be. Yes, yes. You know, I know Ben and Jerry's did that before mm-hmm. they sold the company, and maybe yeah. they probably sold it with those rules in place that they have to continue that way. And I know there are companies that do that. In fact, I remember seeing um, a story about a company that decided to pay all their workers the same wages. I think it was in Inc. magazine. It was very fascinating. And I don't remember the name of the company, but I will try to find out and put it in my show notes. Oh, speaking of which, hellocc.info is the website for this podcast where you can subscribe on iTunes. There's a link there. Um, and, uh, you know, leave comments or get all the resources that I mentioned from each episode. But anyway, this particular uh, CEO or, or owner of the company had a conversation with... I, I believe it was it was somebody in the sort of the blue collar end of his company, and um, uh, that person 
dared to speak up about how unfair the, the system was. Mm. And the owner who's telling the story basically said that he walked away from this conversation very defensive and offended and troubled by being called, you know, I don't know, whatever he was called. Um, he's like, I, you know, I took all the risk and I, you know, he, I, I've worked so hard for this, whatever. He, he went through all these rationalizations and, and over the course of, I don't know, maybe a month, he kind of picked through them all and saw what they were. He saw, well, I, I had the resources to take the risks that he didn't have. I had, I was, you know, I was in a position that made it possible for me to do this. And he's working hard and, you know, too. And, and so eventually this thought process evolved to the point of just making a decision that he was going to pay everyone. They were all going to earn the same amount, including himself. Um, and now I may be, I may have the details not exactly right, but he made this announcement about like maybe there was everyone was going to get at least something. It was a much higher wage, um, and uh, I want to follow up on that. I want to find out. I try to find out if I, and and bring it back to the podcast and mm, talk about it yeah, again because that was yeah. a really interesting story. Um, there's something else I was going to say. So so yeah. So I like I like the ideas of how you know, how capitalism could be, um, could be overseen, I guess you could say, or, um, um, but I'm not yet convinced that it wouldn't keep pushing in the direction of more and more, you know, because it's built on this idea of, of always economic growth, um, in a certain way, and and I just... I'm not totally down with that, so I have to think about it some more. But I will. <laughs> we will continue to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. It's fun that we can have conversations about, you know, ideas, and um, it helps me to become smarter. So. It's interesting. I mean, there's there's like a. Um, um, I don't know if I'd call it a contradiction, but I was just thinking of the idea of being able to talk about the upside of dealing with climate change in economic terms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this last election here in the U.S., Donald Trump made all of these promises about the jobs he was going to be created. And a lot of them were going to be from, you know, this infrastructure, but then also, like, he was going to save all these coal jobs and all the the gas and oil industry jobs. And if you think about the potential jobs that would be created in converting our energy system from one based on fossil mm-hmm. fuels to one based on renewables, it would dwarf, yeah, absolutely dwarf any estimates for, for what Trump thinks he might create. Right. I mean, it's it, we probably don't even have a way of of even imagining how many jobs would actually be created if you think of converting everything. I don't think Trump, I honestly don't think Trump is deeply believing that he's creating jobs. I think it's, I mean, like to build a wall. Okay, there will be some work for a little while, and then that work will end. Well, the same <laughs> with the pipelines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, no. these are, these are, but, 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 
changing us into a, a better functioning society with clean energy is like this this is a direction that sustains yeah. right you have to keep going in this direction right. to get things better right yeah um so you said that you felt that there was more pressing issues in the plural is there another is there another pressing issue that you think about immigration I'm guessing I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good one. I mean, one of the things that the, Chris Murphy, our senator, talked about at the town hall was immigration. And he talked about the situation in Syria, and he tied it to climate change. Mm-hmm. And he tied it to climate change because the Syrian uh, climate went through this major, like, historic drought that drove a lot of people off of their arable, you know, lands and into cities and created a lot of of domestic political turmoil that, at least in in his portrayal of it, um, led to the demonstrations and the revolt against the government and then the crackdown and the civil war and it all, you know, you could tie it all to climate change. And... That's one example of, I think, what's going to be many of, of countries that are right on the edge economically and politically, and they could be tipped right over with, with a you know, historic period of drought, or, or it could be you know, historic rains that, that wipe out villages that people have lived in for, you know, for, de- for generations and create a lot of political instability that leads to refugees, people migrating, people needing to leave because they don't have a home to live in anymore. Mm. So for us, the wealthiest country on earth, to be saying, no, we're not going to take any from those countries that are actually the most dire, mm-hmm. is, is just, it's just morally important. Yeah. It really is. It just, it's us giving in to our worst fears, our worst instincts. You know, people that don't look like us, they don't speak our language, you know, they're, they're, they're fleeing from poverty. They're, some of them are very poor, desperate. Some of them are actually very talented, like university professors and teachers and lawyers and doctors and middle-class business owners whose lives have just been completely uprooted. And we should be welcoming them. They're coming with a lot of talents. They're not looking for a handout, <laughs> you know. They're looking to make a better life, and those those are the people you want to have yeah. enter your country. I I guess I listen to all that, and and I just feel sad. Yeah, me too. Me too. <clears throat> I don't feel like like there's no underground railroad, you know, anymore. Yeah. Like we can't we can't sneak people in. You know, I mean, I suppose it's possible. Well, we that's can, a very sophisticated effort that you'd have to make. Right, but they're also at great risk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, and and what? Anything else that you felt like was a more pressing thing for you? Um, no, I think I've said them all. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear one interesting observation um, 
it was on, I think it was on NPR, and they were talking about our infrastructure and how, you know, the, we, we have such a dramatic need for infrastructure investment right now. We're, we're, we're living in an infrastructure that was built basically back in the 40s and 50s, most of it after World War II, some of it before that. And it was not built for climate change. And they're using the example of the bridge in, in California that was on, you know, they were fearing it was on the verge of collapse or that part of the spillway was going to give and, you know, flood a couple hundred thousand people out of their homes. Um, and that was as, as an example of infrastructure that was not built for the level of, of storms and change in climate. I mean, California has gone from drought conditions now to unprecedented levels of rain, mm-hmm. and their infrastructure is, is not capable of handling it. Bridges are being washed out, and dams are in danger, and, and that situation exists across the whole country. So it just sort of, you know, it, it shined a light on yet another aspect of climate change that we're not dealing with. I wonder about the places where the the groundwater was so low that the ground was sinking. Mm. Like, I wonder what's happened there. Yeah. I, I, I don't I haven't heard any stories about that. Yeah. If anybody knows, send me a message. <laughs> When you brought that up when we were talking another day, you were you were saying you were putting up next to the, the spending for this wall that Trump wants to build right. next to like the actual like useful infrastructure that we need. Right. As a, as a yeah, a yeah. wall to keep people out. Mm-hmm. So thank you for taking the time to My sit pleasure. down with me. I baked a pie. It's downstairs cooling. Awesome. So let's go have some pie. We'll save some for our audience. <laughs> it's it's a green tomato mincemeat pie, we'll call it. There's yeah. no actual meat in it. Walnuts in it. Cool. And raisins. Okay. Thank you.